I've never seen a diamond in the flesh I cut my teeth on wedding rings Dude, that's pretty oh, cool. Man, that is good. I'm just that sad. Is sad. Wow. <laughs> Dude, that's pretty good. This is Dick Lee bringing you weekly interviews with F3 Omaha Packs, exploring their F3 experiences and finding those sticky elements that create the glue in the gloom. thankful just to have space to talk to this guy today. Um, he was recently the, the leader at Futurama, uh, was the site queue there. His name uh, is something that I hear uh, my, my kids ask for often, so we'll be curious to, to hear the story there. Um, and I, I just reflecting back, remember uh, several pre-runs with this guy and just having some great conversation about life and uh, work and family. And, and so uh, mac and cheese, I'm just grateful to have you uh, on the show today. Um, as you know, we have millions of listeners, so they'll, they'll all be curious to know uh, what, what, how did it start? So what was the uh, process for you? Who EH'd you? What was the first workout? And uh, where does the name mac and cheese come from? Yeah, for sure. And, and thanks for having me. It's um, obviously been, been a journey and, and I've appreciated so much of it over the last, uh, coming up on almost three years now. So um, kind of a crazy wild ride. But so my, my EH story, so Sparty uh, EH'd me. So I work with Sparty um, here at Carson. We'd worked for, for a number of years together and then he actually left and then came back. And there's a whole whole other story we could dive into there. But, um, you know, I actually will we'll say EH uh, Sparty to get into his first Spartan race. So his name came from uh, going on Spartan races with us. And we started doing that as a team here at work. Um, convinced him to come out and do it and said he'd be great at it. Um, so the second year that I ran the Spartan race, I brought out um, Mark, who's now named Sparty. Um, and so that was how he got into it. And um, then he'd been dripping on me. He'd asked me a couple of times, like, hey, I started working out with this group. Let me know when you're training for your next Spartan. Um, and it'd be fun to come out and do it. He actually told me that the Murph is the best training for a Spartan. Oh, um, which I think I agree with. Oh. Um, so then come November, it was right after my birthday, um, and uh, Golden Spike uh, was my site that I got EH'd at and finally said I'd come out and do it. Uh, no Dose, which was uh, was on the queue, which is a really interesting um, lineage story. You know, No Dose launched Futurama and then passed it to Othello, and No Dose named me, and then Othello passed it to me. And so there's just been this really interesting tie back to everybody around Futurama. Um, and... So once he got me out and he was really, he brought me out in this really interesting spot in my uh, fitness journey where, you know, I'd lost a ton of weight. So I started uh, right after college. I was, you know, 235, 240 pounds uh, is the highest I weighed myself. Probably 15 pounds heavier than that was the heaviest that I ever was. Um, and I really went into this. Uh, all right. I joined this big um, gym. I got really into personal training and fitness and losing all this weight and I was up at early workouts and I was, you know, trying to eat better. And it was this culture that we created, uh, the place that I work and was there with a bunch of work people. And so I started doing that and I capped it off by doing Spartan races and climbing mountains and getting into all this shape. And then what I found was that, you know, life kind of crept back in and I was having a really hard time maintaining this. Like everything was all about events. Like I'd go climb a mountain or I'd go to a Spartan race and I would train for something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and F3 kind of came to me in this spot of I'd started to put some weight back on. I wasn't going to the gym very often. I'd started to make poor eating choices and, you know, starting to creep back up. Like I wasn't back to where I was before, but I was not doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Sparty brought me out. Um, and I posted a couple of times, but it's winter and it's Omaha and nobody wanted to post the rest of winter. Oh. Um, so really I count my true EH day closer to May of the next year, which okay. is when I finally got on the scale and, and looked at myself and said, like, I'm not doing something and I need to do something. Mm-hmm. I've gone through that winter and, um, you know, it was we'll get into this in a little bit, but was having conversations with my wife about whether we're ready to have kids and all this stuff. And I just knew that I needed something from, from a fitness perspective. And so I reached back out to Sparty and said, when are you queuing next? Um, and so I, I jumped on the next time he was queuing. Nice. Um, so that's, that's my story. The Mac and cheese, uh, just around that one out. Um, he, um, so Mac and cheese came from, I was walking into the circle and talking with Sparty and, and at my wedding, we had really good mac and cheese. So like there was a topic of conversation around mac and cheese. And then I said to the guys that like, I like to cook and no dose was like, what mac and cheese. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Mac and cheese thinking like something creative. And he's like, no craft mac and cheese. Um, so that's where the name comes from. Um, it goes well. A couple of guys at EH have had like names that are built off of the mac yeah. and cheese name. So um, you know, happy with it. Yeah, you've got Side Dish, and um, what's the other one? There's a... So Side Dish, and then Side Dish brought somebody that was uh, Casserole. Casserole, okay, nice. Yeah, we kind of worked through that, the naming convention. That's awesome. So so I'm curious, I want to get your thoughts on this, because I had a couple guys recently share with me, essentially like the Pogo 40, right, from from Free to Lead, like that, you know, that's kind of their journey, and... Uh, it's interesting that you pinpointed the like like the events or what kind of kept you kept you going, which um, kudos to you for the the self awareness there. But here's the impact that has you know as we're coming up September is is uh, kind of suicide awareness, mental health kind of stuff. I mean, from your perspective, I mean, is that just as much a mental battle as it is a a physical fitness battle? Uh, it's absolutely a mental battle for me, um, and I know everyone is different. Um, so my background with like food and diet, um, you know, my, my family's talked about this a lot. Like my parents made it very clear from a very young age that I was going to struggle with weight because they had always struggled with weight and it just was part of our family's life journey. Mm -hmm. Um, it meant a lot to me that they acknowledged that. I don't think I recognized that when I was a, a young kid. Um, but it was something we talked about and I grew up playing sports. I played soccer um, played football, basketball, anything that was out there and had a ball, I, I played it uh, and I loved it. And it was really easy to uh, stay fit because I could eat just about anything and I'd go run it off at soccer practice and I'd go you know, whatever it was. And then I I stopped playing and I, I slowed down and, and wasn't playing as competitively anymore. And all of a sudden get to college and beer and pizza tastes a hell of a lot better than going to the gym every day. And you just kind of lose track and like I always had in the back of my head that my parents had talked about this this is something I was going to struggle with um but I didn't have a good outlet for figuring out how to deal with the mental side of of that over just I need to go to the gym and and getting up off the couch to go to the gym is more of the mental battle than than knowing like I knew that I needed to go to the gym right 
Yeah, the difference between knowing and doing for sure. One, and I guess it, you know, in F three, maybe it's the it's the second F then that that kind of motivates you to come out. I something I, I want to hear kind of your as you joined F three. How did you build some of those relationships? You know, I think um, Othello, who you know had a chance to talk to recently, he he commented on just your ability to get vulnerable um, in those spaces, and and so maybe that was a strategy. But talk to us a little bit about that as you came in. How did you meet new guys or develop those relationships to hold you accountable? Yeah, um, it was tough at first. Um, I think one of the hardest things for me is, um, and you and I have talked about this on pre-runs. I tend to be on the younger end of some of the guys in F3. Like we've built a, a great community of that spans a lot of different age groups right now. But um, especially when we first started, I felt like there was a lot of guys in that like late thirties, early forties age range. Yeah. Um, and it was hard to relate to a lot of them because I'm, you know, here I am having conversations with my wife about, are we ready to start a family? And you're talking about kids or guys who have kids that are talking about going to high school and college. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just different places and I was having I was struggling with who and how and where to be vulnerable about the stuff that I was struggling with while also being supportive of the guys that I was around knowing knowing what they're struggling with but then I, I kind of got a little reflective on this um I mean I've always been that guy and that guy at work I'm, my peers at work are always older than me my I was an only child growing up and a lot of my you know people that I spent a lot of time with were my parents' friends because I'm an only child and I get brought to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get a chance to, um, you know, stay home with the babysitter and the three other kids when you're an only child, they just bring you with you to things right. with adults. Um, and so I think as soon as I checked my feelings about that and thinking that I was a burden on people and that they didn't want to hear my problems because they weren't their problems and started to be more of a active listener versus just like a, a dump of all the things that I was feeling, um, I found it a lot easier to to be to be vulnerable and to share and to be you know share what was going on in my life and find the guys around me whether they were 28 or 65 had some insights to be able to share with what I was dealing with and what I was struggling with. Um, right. But I think it had to start with me checking like what my perception of everyone's opinion of me was. And the last thing I'll, I'll say about that when I took over. Futurama. Um, so Othello is a huge character in F3 Omaha. Obviously, like we we love him. Everyone knows his voice, and and there's there's a um, he's the life of the party and has a lot of friends. And I, you know, I always posted at Futurama, and we have 35, 40 guys. And it just happened that the, around the same time that I took over the shovel flag, we launched two other sites that were going to help starfish and pull people away. And I'll never forget my first queue after launch and I show up and there's like 11 guys there. Mm. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, does anyone like me? Do I have friends? Like, Was Othello the reason people came to Futurama because they liked him and now mm. they don't like me? And like, that's a very real feeling of that as soon as I got over that myself and said, no, it's not about you. It's about the fact that we have small workout groups. Mm-hmm. And they're small for a reason. Like I can get much more vulnerable and honest with people in a group of 11 or 12 than I can in a group of 40. And so that's a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing, but we got to check our ego at the door for that a little bit. Yeah. I, that used to always get to me with the, you know, pretty much every time I lead a workout, right. I have, I, I I'm, I'm like, I think I'm the strategy a site queue will use if they want to slow the numbers down. <laughs> that'd be cute. 
but I, you know, and like you said, it's not about, it's not about me. And I, I'm just thankful I get to lead whatever, whoever decides to show up, you know, that's, you know, two guys or 40 or whatever it might be. Um, I love that you mentioned that because I think a lot of guys go through that, uh, especially in the thank you role. And it's ultimately not about the numbers, right? No. And then we launched, when we launched Canyon and stuff downtown and had some a numbers things too, like I've led workouts down there with one other person. Yeah. You know, there's been a couple of times where I've shown up and no one shows up for another 15 minutes, you know, because we're, it, you know, covered in snow and, and no one could get back there. It's just, it's a, you get to change your perspective of what the, what you can get from those moments. And I wouldn't trade those moments and those stories for anything now, mm-hmm. but in the moment you're sitting there being like, there's only two of us. Are we really going to get anything done today? Um, that's, that's an honest feeling in the moment. Yeah. Well, so tell me, so, cause a lot of guys will say, you know, for, from a second half perspective, like the cafeteria or, you know, maybe it's participating in queen service or some of those things are what create the kind of the stickiness of the second app. But it sounds like maybe your experience has been um, almost like finding those sites or taking advantage of maybe the smaller workout groups and being consistent with building relationships there. Is that, am I reading that right? Or what's your thought there? Absolutely. And I think cafeteria is a huge part. I think it's a, um, you know, we set the standard from a leadership perspective that there's going to be a site with coffee every day and that you, that we set that standard and then allow everyone to make it what they want it to be. And you get out of it what you put into it. You know, some sites do more at cafeteria than others and it, it just, it morphs into what that site wants. But I think what I've especially found over the last couple of years is we've expanded so much is that the second F to me is more, where do you find the community of guys that you're super close with? Hmm. And my community has become the more East Omaha guys. I live on 180th and Pacific. I live like the farthest away. You know, when I was site queue at Futurama, I drove past literally every other site in Omaha to get to my site Mm -hmm. on Thursday. Um, But it was my community. So I didn't care. 4.15 in the morning, 4.45 in the morning, you know, no one's on the road. It takes me 15 minutes to get there and you do it. Um, and I think that is exactly to your point that like, that's the second half community to me is finding the guys that I'm going to see two or three days a week and that are going to check in on me and I'm going to check in on them. And, and um, now does it mean, do I, do I get sad sometimes? You and I don't go on pre-runs as often anymore and I don't see guys as much. Yeah, sure. There's stuff that I miss. Um, but we all need to have our communities that are going to be that support system in the times that we need it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and you know, I think between like, you know, Tater and and myself and, and Flow Pitch, right? I, I don't know that we've landed on a home... <laughs> you know i mean if you just try to keep up with the shovel passes and the launches you're in a different part of town every other day so yeah yeah Yeah, that's one of the things i've been a little bit you know trying to be um first fq uh is a little bit challenging right because i feel like it would be great if i could just go to this one site every tuesday you know but i kind of feel some responsibility to venture out but um so i'm I'm glad that you found some of that consistency because i do think um you know, we've got the khakis polar challenge or try to get out to all the sites and we've kind of encouraged guys to try new sites, but ultimately there is some, some tremendous value in, in the consistency and like knowing, Hey, on Saturdays, I'm going to be at the Canyon with my people, right. Or, at the, you know, wh- wherever that site is. Um, I'm, I'm glad you've taken advantage of that. What, what about, um, 
you know, when you think about second half, like some of the other things that come to mind maybe are like queen service, we've done book studies, QSource. Have you had a chance to participate in any of those other uh, things? Yeah, so um, I, I think this will tell everyone a little bit about me is like, I've tried all of them because that's who I am. Like somebody's like, hey, we're gonna go do this. I'm like, sure, I'm absolutely in for that. And then I get halfway into it and I'm like, I really don't want to commit to a book study at 4.30 every morning on a Tuesday. Like, I just don't want to. So I need to be better. Like, that's something I know about myself. I just need to be better about not committing, over committing myself. But we'll, we'll digress from that for a second. Um, so the, the ones that have really stuck with me is I've done queen service a couple of times now, as I, as I mentioned kind of in the intro, like weight and struggling with weight and diet have always been and will always be a part of my life. Like, yeah. it, it is. And Queen Service has really helped to be a good, safe space for me to have a group of guys that also struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and especially thinking about like, um, like my M is somebody who doesn't struggle with that at all. Like she's never struggled with weight and she's never struggled with that. So having a community where I can share what those struggles are and she's incredibly supportive and done, has done a lot of great things with me in that, but it's just not her battle. Right. Um, and so having that community of guys that are have gone through it, are going through it, can be a joint accountability uh, is really meaningful and powerful. I think the piece that um, kind of a goal I have for myself that I haven't done a great job of, of doing much of is like figuring out and solidifying like that idea of a shield lock. Mm, yeah. And, and getting a, a we kind of do it informally. And like, there's a moment that I know we're all kind of waiting for of like sitting down and being like, will you be a part of my shield lock? Will you be part of my accountability circle? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what what's missing because that's been the group that I want to go deeper in, you know, book studies or, or every mental battle or, um, you know, Q source or those types of things together. It's like I've, I've participated in them and I love them. And I, I know in moments when I need them, they're there. So I will, I'll go find a, a site that's doing QSource because I know I need that check-in that week. Um, but I know that's kind of the next step for me is finding that shield lock of guys that I could be like, okay, here's the three or four or five guys that we're going to get through this together. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's been, and I think we're getting better. I think we have a few, you know, shield locks that have formed that are, you know, really um, developing some good, you know, I, I guess, from my mindset, it's, they're like processes or standards that they're using to, and following Q source. But um, I've, I think I've struggled with that too, because as you, like we just moved, so we're way out, you know, to our 25th and, you know, north, north uh, part of town. And so I moved away from the guys that were my shield lock and they talk about, you know, proximity being a really important piece of that. And so you think, okay, well, how do you make that something that's, um, you know, just a part of your, your day to day. Um, so I'm, I'm with you there in, in that struggle. It's uh that's been a challenge for me for a few years, um, for sure. What, you know, I'm curious too, so if, if you, um, so we know you like to, you like to, uh, get vulnerable, kind of be involved with a, a smaller group of guys. Um, you talked about kind of trying to make this decision about family. How do you feel like you had good support or guys to bounce ideas off? Uh, as you were uh, making some of those decisions as a family or how did that go? Yeah. Um, I think F3, I, this kind of a weird way to think about it, but I, I owe a lot of like how happy I am in my marriage and um, um, having our daughter now to the guys of F3. 
um, because there's so to back up for a second, like this, the struggles that we were having was, you know, my wife and I did alter college and got married a couple of years after school. And we'd always set this kind of timeline in our head of a year after we get married, we were going to start talking about having a family. And I think I've shared this with you. And like in my wife's mind or in, in my M's mind, that was a year in and we're going to start having a family. And in my mind, I'm like a year in and let's start talking about when we're ready to have a family. Right. And like, I liked our life. I liked the, you know, we were dual income, no kids. We could travel. We, we had a dog, but you drop them off at a, at a border and go for a week. Can't do that with kids. Can't do that with Sometimes it feels like you do, but um, like that was a struggle and it was, and it was a strain on our marriage and it was a strain on our relationship and our family and, and everything. And I, um, you know, there was two groups of people that really helped me through that. And F3 was a big part of it. And then I've got some really great friends and mentors at work. Mm-hmm. And and I was hearing this consistent message from all of them. And it didn't matter who I heard it from. And they said it different ways. But in my head, it kind of boiled down to, are you with the person you want to be with? Yes. Do you know you want a family at some point? Yes. And this is going to sound really crass, but like, do you think you're going to have more money in your 20s or more money in your 50s? Mm. I, I think, I hope, more money in my 50s. Well, if you want all those things, would you rather be able to have more money and freedom and time, whatever that looks like to you, when you're still in your 50s and you're young enough to go do things with your spouse and your family and have that type of experience? Or do you want that now in your 20s and your life and you want to go backpack and you want to go do all that different stuff? And and no answer is wrong. It just had to be the right decision for us. And it kind of finally clicked in my head where I'm like, yes, I want all of these things. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and it just, but I needed that kind of security blanket or the, the community of people who are like telling me that, yes, your thought process is right and just keep moving through it. Um, and then also gave me the courage to have those conversations with my, with my end that I, when I wasn't ready, like I wasn't, you know, a year wasn't enough time for me. Like I needed two years and needed that extra time to be ready. And now, you know, my daughter is 16 months and love her to death and now starts everyone's conversation of when you're gonna have number two but I, it's more of I couldn't be in the position to be the dad I am today if we had had kids right away yeah I love that and it's such a, to me like you know the idea of of invigorating or reinvigorating male community leadership is it, it, so simple right it's, it's as simple as equipping you to have that conversation with your M you know and mm-hmm. lead that lead your family even before you have kids. I mean, I, I love that example. I think that's fantastic. And the fact that you were seeking advice, you know, I think so often, like we don't probably get enough advice on, on huge decisions. And, um, you know, I think, I don't know, at least my parents, I know they weren't married before my oldest brother was born. And I think that's how a lot of our, you know, parents maybe were, but anyway. Um, so I'm curious then, because then, you know, a lot of this stuff is, um, it's challenging, right? So you're making the decision is one thing, but then going through, you know, supporting your aunt when she's pregnant or having a, a newborn, um, man, we could have a separate show on just that. But um, yeah. talk to me about uh, about faith or maybe, you know, your spiritual journey. What How has that gone the last few years? Yeah. Um, so my faith journey has been a, an interesting one. Um, 
so rewind way, way, way back. Um, my family and I didn't go to church when I was a little kid, but then I was around seven or eight years old. And again, this will surprise no one that knows me. Um, and I'm a very social person. Um, and apparently right around seven or eight, I said to my parents, well, all my friends get to hang out on Sundays. Why don't we go to church? Because they got to hang out on Sundays and I didn't get to see my friends on Sundays because they were at church. So let's go to church because that's where all my friends are. Nice. Um, so that's how my family started going to church. Um, and then my parents ended up getting involved and we were kind of non-denominational Christian. We grew up Presbyterian and then the church became non-denominational Christian and, and they bounced be between different, different churches for, for a while there. Uh, I went to a Catholic high school, um, to be honest, more to play soccer and for the education than anything to do with it being a Catholic school. Um, but that helped to inform my decisions that led me to Creighton, that led me to Omaha, that got me to where I am today. So I would never trade it for a million years. Um, and I remember a very distinct conversation with my, um, it was my dad, one of my parents, maybe both of them. Uh, and we were, I'd always wanted to go to USC and I wanted to play soccer at USC in San California. And that, like, that was the goal. That was the pin. Um, and I'm sitting there on campus and my dad or mom, there was, they're missing a faith aspect. Like, mm. There's no, I don't, I didn't like a lot of the schools that were like, you have to swipe into to church five days a week to right. say that you're a good Christian because you swiped your badge into, into church. But I also wanted a place where I could have a community that was faith-based and I didn't know what that meant for me yet, but I just knew that I needed a place where I was okay to have that conversation. Yeah. Uh, which led me to Creighton, which then my sophomore year, I converted to Catholicism. So and I kind of thought about it along the way in different points. And, and it really, I identify a lot with the Jesuit teachings of, of the Catholic faith. And, um, you know, the, the Jesuits as a as an educational body within the uh, the Catholic Church believe in a lot of the you know faith through education and and works and 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 the people um, and it's all about the people that make up the church and um, very mission driven and things like that. So my faith journey has often been centered around that, like wanting a community that was going to find ways to practice their faith in in and around other people. Um, and so I would say, you know, we're, we're practicing Catholics. We go to, go to mass at St. John's every, um, every Sunday, three Sundays out of the month. Um, let's be honest about that. I can't say I go every week, but things do come up. Um, but, and the, the thing that I find really interesting about that with my, my M and I and, and our daughter, like again, back to kind of the, where's your community at, you know, we live again at 180th and Pacific and we go to mass at 24th and Dodge yeah. um, because that's our community and that's who we've, we identify with. And not that there aren't other great Catholic churches around Omaha and there's ones that we go to when it's convenient, all that stuff. But like our community that we participate in and are actively involved in is the St. John's community at Creighton yeah. where we feel most comfortable. Um, and so I think, that community aspect and the, the service aspect um, and finding people is really what, what, where I drive my third F for my, my faith aspect of this. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think you're right. I mean, community is so important to faith, right? Cause when, you know, when life happens, then you, you know, having a, a shared faith community around you is, is fantastic. And I, as you were telling that story there, I re I realized that, and I, you maybe have told me this before, but where are you from originally? Uh, so Sacramento, California. Okay. Grew up 
outside of um, just outside of Sacramento. Okay, perfect. So for guys that, that don't know or maybe that, that forgot, um, that's that's interesting. So you got all the way here from uh, from California. I'm one of those weird ones that like comes from California to the Midwest. Yeah. Everyone says, why in the world would you ever do that? Yeah. Um, but again, it, I, it, maybe it's a weird theme in my life that I haven't even realized until I started saying it out loud here, but like this idea of community. I visited a lot of colleges, a lot of places I wanted to go to school and Creighton felt at home. Yeah. Where I felt like it was big enough that I could do anything, but small enough that I would still have a support system if I failed. Yeah. Um, and I think that's this idea of community is a community should push you your boundaries to try something new, but then be there to catch you when you fall. Yeah. And I, no matter where we are in life, like it's important to have those types of, of communities around you. Yeah, man. I love that. That's some, that's some, uh, you're dropping some wisdom there. I like that <laughs> push, push you, but then catch you, uh, catch you when you fall. I like that. You're absolutely right. And yeah, I think what's so cool is, is, no matter where a guy is at, you know, if he's got an established faith or, you know, a church or a belief system, when they come into F3, just, just like with the fitness aspect, right, we're going to meet you where you're at and, and we're mm -hmm. not prescribing a certain way. Um, I just, you know, I think um, your, your story exactly, you know, uh, kind of describes that or illustrates that, you know, if you've had your own unique journey. And I think as you have opportunities, you share it with other guys that, you know, I'm curious your thoughts because, um, you know, so we also want to, you know, one of our things is trying to build leadership skills. So, you know, as you think about, you know, fitness fellowship and faith, and there's, you know, a lot of different pieces, but then, you know, building guys into leaders, uh, we kind of talk about like VQs or leading a site. Um, what was your, your VQ like? Do you remember that um, experience? I do. So my VQ is at Futurama. Um, and, and again, I'll, I'll say a lot of incredible things about Othello because he's, he's definitely been a friend and a mentor and, and support through all of this. Um, and I don't think there's anything I could ever say to, to share with him how much he means to me. Um, and we just keep doing that through action throughout life. I think there's, it's important for us to, to acknowledge that, but I'll never be able to say in words what, what he and a lot of other guys in F3 mean to me. Um, but in, in true Othello fashion, I got like a really detailed email that had like, this is how much time you should be spending on Warmerama. And this is how much time you should be spending on the pre thing and the thing and all that kind of stuff. And I sent him back the, um, you know, this is what my plan was and it was, you know, all everything. And, and he critiqued it and he said, I, you know, I think you're going to have too much time running between this place and that place. Like maybe you shorten the distance and, and got through all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, went in and, and did it and had a lot of fun doing it. And I think that was the most important thing about Futurama and something that I think Othello and Noto set the standard. And I hope I continued and Demogorgon continues after me is it should be a place to be creative and be fun and to try new things and to, to again, to fail and have that you have a community that's going to pick you up and support you. Um, so that being said, but yeah, that was my VQ. Um, had some fun with it. And then in, in true me fashion, I think I signed up to queue like four times in the next two weeks yeah. um, because like I did it once, I could do it a hundred times. Right. Um, and so my, my personal favorite story in that was I was at the Coliseum and it was one of those where I planned on having like a 20-ish guy number and show up and there's almost 60, oh. 50 plus guys <laughs> there. And yeah. I had 
had this thing worked planned out for the field and I'd printed out or I'd written down like three wankies to explain what we were doing, but like three wankies is not enough for 50 guys. Yeah. Um, and so I'll never forget the, um, you know, finally working out. I was next to Kathy's as we were doing this workout and he's like, he's grumbling and he's like, I don't know what we're doing next. And like, you know, where's the wanky, where's the training? And I'm like, you know what, this is a good, like, you think you can do everything and that you're all prepared, but at some point you're going to just show up and you're gonna be like, wow, there's 50 guys here and I have enough information for like 20. Right. Um, and yeah. you just figure it out and learn how to lead on the fly. And, yeah. you know, I'd be better prepared for it now because of that experience. Um, and, you know, and the, the biggest validation I got from after that was, you know, Kathy's walked up to me at the end of the beatdown and was like, hey man, that was a great beatdown and you handled having, you know, three times as many people really well. Yeah. I'm like, that was the validation I needed there uh, from a great example of another leader sharing with me that, you know, it was okay that I didn't have a plan for the triple the numbers. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What a great story too. And, and that's exactly the point, right? Is like equipping your lead and then, you know, as opportunities or things come up that you didn't plan for uh, being there to support just like the, the community example. So I love that. What, um, so curious, you know, I do, Cued, and I, I feel like I remember you getting on the queue schedule a bunch more times because, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to queue, right? It is. Tell me about, you know, just kind of the, the process of taking over the, the shovel flag at, um, mm -hmm. at Futurama. And then would also love to hear, um, you know, the, the journey to identify a successor and, and kind of passing the flag to Demogorgon. Yeah. Um, so... Taking over at Futurama, I think I, I shared a little bit before, like I felt like I had massive shoes to fill. Mm -hmm. um, but what I what I really wanted to do was to make it my own and to bring things that were important to me. So like I did things, like I said, I wanted to have a pre-run before every beatdown because that was something I enjoyed doing and I was going to bring it. And sometimes I was the only one there. But by the end, there's at least three or four of us every time they would go do, do a pre-run. Yeah. Um, and then having the site queue. So I was, I was site queue through the birth of our daughter and, you know, throughout her, basically her first year of life. Um, and I guess I took it over just after she was born. Um, and I honestly, it's what kept me plugged in with F3 in a lot of moments where the only time I could post was Thursday mornings. And like, I wanted to go more and I wanted to do more. And I, I, I struggled with, with how to be present at home and support my wife who is dealing with a newborn and then also being a site queue. But I knew that Thursdays was something we had talked about ahead of time and said like, this is going to be my day and I'm going to post Thursday mornings. Right. And I'd purposely not book work travel and I'd purposely try to avoid, cause that was what I needed. And I, everyone's different, but that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it kept me plugged in that I knew if I was only there once a week, I was there once a week and I would be at Futurama and I'd have that covered. Um, and then the passing off the Demi. Um, so identifying Demi was was an easy thing, um, to be honest. He came to me like the second week I was site queue and was like, when you're done, I want it. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> like the next year, I'm, I'm off the hook. I don't have to look for anybody. Like it's yours. If you want it, we're good. No. Um, but I think what I found over time was like I had to, to figure out more of, um, like put my identity into, into Futurama and then make sure that he was set up for success. And, um, you know, that was a couple of things. One, like getting his queue schedule and things booked out, but like a, a moment of, um, so like helping him get ready and, and, and pass it off and everything. But I also think that the last two things I'll say about 
that um, be in sight to you is first, I, I think a year was right for me. Like I got to the end and I'm like, I'm ready to pass this off to somebody. And I think it's in great hands with Demi to make it his own and to make it a, his own community. And, and he's done a great job of carrying that torch. Um, but second, I, I don't think I was acknowledging in myself how important being a site cue was and like a, a feeling of a loss of identity coming into passing it off. Um, and so, and I, I shared at the, um, you know, handoff and, and in front of a lot of guys and, um, you know, I've struggled in my own way with how do I handle stress and anxiety and pressures at work. And, and I'll admit that like my, my go-to way is to mask that pain by, you know, drinking or, you know, going out, you know, ignoring my responsibilities, I guess would be the best way to describe it. It's like, I will put a mask over all of it and I'll just cover it up um, because I'm feeling this way, but I can't let anyone know that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I really struggled with leading up to it and I felt like I was disappointing people and it like all blew up mm. and you know it was it blew up in the sense of emotions and things are going on at work and things are going on at home and I hadn't you know, been plugged into the community and I just I bury all of that stuff until I explode and I know that about myself but I do it over and over again mm. um and so the handoff to me was the the catalyst of this like you know we know you should you build up all this pressure and you should let a little bit out of the time a little bit out of time and i just hadn't been doing that and i just was just let it explode um but in the moment i had a bunch of guys come around me and and give me hugs and tell me it was okay and support me and drag me out the next couple of weeks and say you need to post and you need to talk to guys and you need to and i'm in a better spot now i'm not fixed Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm in a better spot to be able to talk about like where I was at in those moments. And there are things that like my best friend in the world is spreadsheet and, and we post together all the time and there's stuff I couldn't even talk about or admit with him. Yeah. Like, you know, we talk every day mm -hmm. and you know, I'm hiding from him. I'm hiding from my wife. I'm hiding from every guy that we post with. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's a long winded way of saying like what this being site Q meant and leadership and passing it off. Like, I'd spent too much time letting it build up and it kind of exploded. But again, back to the community, I had a great community of people who just picked me up, gave me a hug and said, we love you and we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had the opportunity to be there for that. And, and I think just the authenticity, um, you know, just showing up and sharing where you were that day, um, I, I think was really cool. Um, at least, you know, from my perspective and then just being able to, to support you, you know, in that space. I, I think that's the, that's one of my favorite things, right? Is like, we're supporting a guy where he's at and we'll offer help and resources and whatever we can to like, you know, help you towards a better path. But we're also like, there's really no judgment. There's no like shame, you know? So like, I, I think to your point, like having that community where you can share, uh, you know, just where you're at, what's what's difficult right now um, cause so many of us learn, right. I, I learned that from my parents that like, you don't want to tell people what's really going on. Cause if they really know, uh, well then, <laughs> then they'll be disappointed. Nobody will want to hang out with you or whatever the story is that we tell yeah. them. I, yeah. I, and I, I really appreciate that, man. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. Um, you know, I, I am curious too, you know, as you were a, a site queue and, you know, just, just want to pick your brain here, but any, um, any advice for like a, a new guy or maybe it's, maybe it's new site cues or just, um, 
just F3 Omaha in general, any, any advice or insight to uh, kind of keep growing, but growing and being mindful of, of the men that we're trying to lead? So you know, we say it a lot, but really diving into what does it mean to lean in, hmm. like to finding that community and the guys that you can be vulnerable with, that you can cry in front of, that you can you know break down in tears and you just can't physically hold yourself up anymore because you've got the weight of the world and every pressure that's hitting you from all different angles and and whatever that pressure is like it's different for every guy but finding that community that is gonna to you, you can lean into the guys that you can lean on that even if they don't know it like i'll i'll call out somebody like a merit badge you know merit badge was there you know when i handed off this the shovel pass um to demi and and like just him texting me every week and saying, Hey, we're, we're doing Frisbee at the Canyon on Saturday. I didn't need to talk about like any of the stresses or things that were going on in my life. It was just a consistent, we're going to be there on Saturday. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, another one being Doppler, like Doppler reaching out to me and saying, Hey, I'm posting here on Tuesday. You want to come? Yeah. Oh, can't make it. I'm going to be here on Thursday. Yeah. Yep. Oh, can't make it. I'll be there here on Friday that consistency of guys to lean in on. Um, and I think that's the same for site cues. I think it's the same for, for new PACS members. I think it's the same for everybody. Like just finding a, a people that you can lean in on and that are going to call you on your BS too. Like that's yeah. a dumb, it's a dumb excuse. Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow at 530. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love clock right now. You can go to bed before 10. I'll see you at 530. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the advice is to find, find somebody, you know, text them and tell them where you're posting tomorrow to encourage them. Cause I'm, I'm with you, especially like after having a kid or, you know, it starts getting colder and you're like, well, I'm not really planning to meet anybody anywhere. And so like, I could just, you know, sleep in or like for me, I'll like, I'm, I can just go for a run here. I don't need to drive, you know, um, anywhere, but I love that, man. And, and I really do just, um, your leadership, your vulnerability, just the, the way that you carry yourself and um, the way that you're open, right? About none of us are a, a finished, complete, um, you know, product. There's always, always a future iteration, right? Uh, <laughs> so um, I do just kind of one one last question here. I know I want to respect your time, but I, I do want to just give you space to share maybe what, uh, if we see you uh, out there in the gloom, what, what would be encouraging or how can we be praying for you, encouraging you, um, in your life right now yeah i think it's um a big big thing for me is the what i've mentioned like guys are reaching out to just say hey i'm gonna be here to post i'm gonna be here for the consistency um and then i think the the thing so i i'm going through a lot of transitions right now and in, in work and and other things and i think the the stuff that I need the most help and support in is, is finding the consistency. Um, because when things change, like finding things that are consistent. And so, um, you know, when I see guys out in the gloom and I see consistent faces out there, it's, it's calming to me and it's, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Got it. No, I love that. I, I think that it's spot on. Uh, well, let's do a name rama here. Sound good. Cool. Sounds great. Uh, Brandon Fleharty, 36, The Plague. The Plague. Uh, Andrew Rogers, 28, Mac and Cheese. Mac and Cheese. Nice job. And you've got the the shovel and the mac and cheese in, right? Yeah. Got to get it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. Have a great day. You as well.